athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the Dopey Show on radio, box to row. I am your host, Donald Ware. It is a Easter weekend on the program. Thank you for making Box to Row a part of your day. Got a big show for you. Final Four weekend, as a matter of fact. And we've got the matchups. Baylor and Houston going to get together. Also, UCLA and Gonzaga. So I had Baylor and Gonzaga as two of my Final Four teams. I did not have Houston and I did not have UCLA. UCLA coming out as a number 11 seed. But the Pac-10 was really, really, or Pac-12, excuse me, really, really good in basketball uh, this year. Very much underrated. I mean, like, I'm not even sure UCLA should have been an 11 seed. Like, I think, I mean, I think really the 11 seeds and above should go to smaller and uh, to smaller programs. Uh, quite frankly, uh, opposed to going to major programs like we saw Georgetown as a number 12. I mean, you had to see Georgetown, uh, you know, as a number 12 uh, because Georgetown got the automatic bid, even though it's a, you know, it's a power, you know, power five is for football. The term power five is football. But even though it's a big time college program, because the Big East, one of the preeminent conferences, in all of America when it comes to college basketball always has been. It always has been. Uh, But, you know, a UCLA probably should not have been a number 11 seed. I mean, I get it because they're they're tinkering on the brink of not even making the tournament. But you get some of these bigger schools that don't win their conference tournament championships, you know, know, give somebody else an opportunity. I mean, that's how I sort of look at them, and I know the masses – aren't going to look at it that way. Those that attended big schools and are all about, you know, college athletics and the big timeness of it. I mean, I'm I'm about the big timeness of it too, in a respect, but I just think that you can reward some teams that deserve to be in the big dance that are smaller teams. We always see these leagues that are one bid leagues. I mean, you look at like the SWAC, for instance, you look at the MEAC, for instance, you look at the Big South, for instance, even though you got you have a team like a you know a Winthrop that's sort of on the rise, at the end of the of the day, it's Big South is still a one bid league. You look at the even the conference U N uh, U uh, U N C G, excuse me, UNCG is in, right? UNCG's got a it's got a pretty good program, right? Uh, you know, gave Florida State a run for its money and is building a, a, a good program. But anyway, I mean, it is what it is. You know, UCLA is playing some really good basketball. Like, I don't see them knocking off Gonzaga. Like, I see Gonzaga running the table 
and winning the national championship. I do, however, think that if this game is close, that UCLA, I mean, really, if you think about it, UCLA has nothing to lose. UCLA has absolutely nothing to lose. Nobody thought the Bruins were even going to be here, right? Uh, number 11C playing in a play-in game, which could have gone either way. And to get all the way to this point, UCLA has nothing to lose. And that's actually what makes UCLA dangerous in this game. But I just feel like Gonzaga is just talent beyond belief. I mean, I feel like the only team in the country that can either even really play with Gonzaga is Baylor, right? And, of course, Baylor's got its own issue tr- having to try to get past Kelvin Sampson in Houston, who's really, really good. So, you know, I, I like Gonzaga in this game, but if this game is close, uh, I, I, you know, you're you know, you you're talking about 18 to 22-year-old kids. It gets tight, tightening up the way you've played all season, fast, loose, sharing the basketball, team concept. Gonzaga is, is just getting it done. Maybe that changes when things tighten up a little bit. But this is a, you know, a little bit of an older team. You got some young guys on the team like Suggs, but it's a little bit of an older team. Mark Few is an excellent coach, has done a remarkable job, quite frankly, at Gonzaga, which was at one time a mid-major program, now a top program in all of college basketball. So I think that Gonzaga ultimately wins the Baylor-Houston game. I mean, I'm going with Houston, but... Uh, uh, excuse me, I'm going with Baylor. But again, I, I don't think Houston has anything to lose or not much, I shouldn't say, but not much to lose. They're very close. And when you get close, you want to get, you know, you want to get over that hump. I mean, Gonzaga's been here a couple of times, but I feel like the window for Gonzaga may be running out. You go back a couple of years ago, losing the national championship game to North Carolina. You get to this point, particularly in the circumstances that we're in, Uh, You've had COVID, you've had COVID issues. I mean, I guess for the most part, it hasn't affected uh, the tournament per se. A a couple of teams, yeah. But I mean, as a whole, it hasn't greatly affected the tournament. Um, But the year has just been crazy. And if you're Gonzaga, this may be the year. You get back to, you know, the Dukes and the Carolinas being good and the Kentuckys. It's a whole different ballgame. I think this is Gonzaga's tournament to win. They have the most talented team, um, and I think ultimately this is the year that Gonzaga gets it done. So we may talk a little bit more college basketball here in the program. Got some guests to get to today on the program, and one of the guests that's going to join us today here on Box to Row, EST. So she's known as EST. If you're a wrestling fan, you know and you watch WWE, you know exactly who EST is. The best, the greatest All of those things that end with EST, Bianca Belair, Royal Rumble champion Bianca Belair, going to join us today here on Box to Row. Listen, very excited uh, about this interview. Watch SmackDown almost every Friday, uh, and it's uh, I just enjoy it. I think when you talk about uh, WWE, I mean. You know, Bianca Belair's star is certainly on the rise, and I think winning that Royal Rumble uh, put her on another level. And, of course, uh, you look at uh, the WrestleMania that's coming up next weekend. She's going up against Sasha Banks. Uh, So those who watch wrestling know what I'm talking about. Like, I've watched wrestling for many, 
many years. And I, I've gone sort of in 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 waves of how I watched it. So, um, you know, really got into wrestling maybe mid-80s when what WWF superstars used to come on, uh, cartoons on Saturdays. Who remembers that? Uh, right. And then you had like what WrestleMania three when you had, you know, Hulk Hogan and uh, Superfly, Jimmy Snooker and, you know, all those guys, Andre the Giant. I think Mr. T was part of that, that uh, WrestleMania that year. I mean, it was just absolutely fantastic. And those were the great days of wrestling. And then, you know, I watched it from about that point, probably until about 1990, when the Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan hadn't lost in like, you know, we may have lost some by disqualification, but I mean, in terms of somebody pinning him one, two, three, like Hulk Hogan had lost like six, seven years. Ultimate Warrior, I remember, you know, body uh, pressed him up over his head, slammed him. It was over. I sort of stopped watching wrestling after that. And then Hulk Hogan started to kind of go down. He was like my favorite wrestler. Um, stopped watching wrestling for quite some time. Uh, and then, then my son, the oldest son sort of got into the wrestling and started watching it back maybe around the time of the the rock and you know Steve Austin and all those guys and then you know he got older we started stopped watching it. then my middle son you know started getting into it so we were you know on the guys like John Cena uh and you know all of those guys the viper and you know uh you know all of those guys right and you know, he sort of waned from it, but I just started picking it back up maybe the last couple of years or so. And now, especially that it's on Fox, I mean, it's much more of a soap opera now, uh, more so now than it once was, right? You know, some of the storylines, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. But I mean, it's still, I, I mean, I still enjoy it. Like I enjoy, you know, watching, uh, you know, because there is, I mean, there is some athleticism to this thing. Like some of the moves that they do and all those kind of things, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. So enjoy, enjoy that. So again, EST, Bianca Belair going to be in the building. Also going to join us today here on Box to Row. You can join us today on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B O X. The number two, R-O-W, and, you know, you look at the National Football League free agency is in full effect, and I'm going to tell you what, um, <laughs> a lot of lot of moves being made by a lot of teams. We didn't talk about last week the trade and, you know, what Miami's doing and what San Francisco is doing and what the Eagles uh, are sort of doing. But the one thing I'm going to tell you that really perturbs me, and, and Deshaun Watson is in some very hot water, uh, as a matter of fact, what is it like 23 women that have come forward and claimed, you know, sexual, some type of sexual harassment against him? I mean, he's a, I mean, these are some pretty, he's in some pretty, you know, pretty hot water right now. He's already sort of separated himself from the Texans. The Texans haven't spoken much about his situation, although the GM did, you know, sort of come out this week and say a, say a few words, but I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson sort of on his own because he separated himself from the Houston Texans, you know. Uh, but I think one of the things that sort of perturbs me, I look at Justin Fields, and I watch Justin Fields play probably more, and I watch probably more uh, college football and, you know, Power 5 schools more this year than I ever have before. And it seems like every year when you have a, a, a quarterback that's black, that's good, there's always – 
He's always got to be dissected. This year's Justin Fields. Look at the tape. Look at him play the games. Have you seen him play? I mean, his stock seemed to have dipped. Now it's come. It's crazy. I watched Lamar Jackson play at Louisville. Lamar Jackson was really, really good. Not a running back. Like, this is a guy who would throw the football and also run the football. He's a dangerous guy. He falls all the way to the first round. The Ravens, in essence, to me, get a steal. He goes on a couple of years later to be the MVP of the National Football League. So, you know, we dissect these black quarterbacks. You know, Cam Newton and all of these guys. Deshaun Watson was one. I couldn't believe that going back some couple of years ago. I mean, did you see Deshaun Watson play? He led Clemson to a national championship. And I get sick and tired of seeing. Now, quarterback as a whole, I'll say this. Quarterback as a whole on the college level gets dissected immensely, and you can understand why, okay? But particularly the black quarterback. I mean, look at. You know, look at look at Jalen in in uh, in Philadelphia. Like I watched him play at Oklahoma, thinking, man, this guy is going to be pretty good in the National Football League. Yet we're talking about him like, you know, uh, he may not be the guy for the future for the Eagles. I definitely think he is. Um, but anyway, a lot more to get to on today's program. So let's cue up the music real quick. I'm on my own. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to be joined by the EST of the WWE, the Royal Rumble Champion, Bianca Belair. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Still to come here on Box to Row, more conversations and my thoughts on the retirement of UNC Headman's basketball coach Roy Williams. Let's continue here on Box to Row. I'm going to tell you, like, I'm a wrestling fan, right? But Friday Night SmackDown, one of the main reasons I watch Friday SmackDown on Friday nights is because 
of my guests known as EST. And as a matter of fact, the WWE Royal Rumble champion. She is Bianca Belair joins us here on Box to Row. EST is in the building. What's going on, Bianca? Hey, 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 how are you? Doing good. It, it's, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. You know, I see your star rising, and it's interesting because when, right before you won the Royal Rumble, that Friday, um, it, it, something was different about uh, not necessarily you, but the whole setup. It seemed like you were the star of that show Friday night, so it was no surprise when I found out Sunday that you won it. Uh, your thoughts on winning that Royal Rumble? Man, that was just an amazing night. Um, you know, I, I, it was a whirlwind of emotions. I remember being in the ring and actually winning the Royal Rumble and having the feeling of, oh, I'm the last woman standing out of 30 women across three different brands, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, and Legends. I just won this Royal Rumble. Um, and then looking to the left and seeing the WrestleMania sign, and it hit me afterwards that oh yeah you're that means you're going to wrestlemania <laughs> so it was like i knew that i knew that if you won the royal rumble you you, you were punching your ticket to wrestlemania but when you're in the royal rumble it's such a a long and, and grueling match that you know you're you're trying to throw people over the top rope and someone's trying to throw you over the top rope that you can't think about too many things at once so when i finally won that was the only thing that was in my mind was hey i just won this is great and then i looked to the left and i'm like Oh yeah, I'm going to Mania. This is this, this is amazing. So, I was on cloud nine and just I was vulnerable in that moment. And you know, all this tough exterior of I'm the EST and I'm strong and I'm the strongest and the toughest and the roughest and the quickest and the greatest and the best. All that just came tumbling down, and I would just cried. And I thought about my mom, and my dad in the moment, so I shouted them out. And I think that's what everyone I, I let everyone in. And everyone felt like they were a part of the moment with me, which is what I, I love about that moment. 56 minutes in the ref. I mean, no matter what you're doing, that's a long, like, like, and we'll talk more about that. That's where your track training comes oh. into play, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that. But like your parents were super excited for you, right? Like you're, so I saw a video, something your, your dad said or something happened there, right? Oh yeah, my parents are my biggest supporters. They they've been riding with me for you know forever. But my dad, he's just the person. Like ever since I ran track, I have I have track videos where he's recording, and I would cross the finish line. All of a sudden, the camera would go up in the sky because he would just like fall back and pass out. So um, it, it's been a thing. I used to always tweet about how my dad would like fall over the back of the couch when like the show came on or my interest would come on, and no one believed me. So. I was able to get them to record themselves um, because they come to every single big moment and, I, and they're not able to. They weren't able to uh, for Warrior Rumble. So I had them record themselves because I wanted to see them watch it. And I just could not believe it that they caught my daddy falling over the back of the couch because <laughs> he was so excited about the Warrior Rumble. And he stood up on the table. My mom was like yelling, point to the sign, girl, point to the sign. So they get really hype and really like into it. And, and, I, and, I, and I love them for that. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. She joins us here on Box to Row. As a matter of fact, you can see her Fridays uh, on SmackDown on Fox. And uh, uh, one week from today, she will be, of course, uh, at WrestleMania taking on mm -hmm. Sasha Banks. So we very much look forward uh, to that as well. 
uh, to talk about that. And, you know, because this is the thing, like I've been watching wrestling a long time and there haven't been, there've been, there've been black wrestlers, but not a lot of black female wrestlers. So, I mean, it's you, it's Sasha Banks. You guys are, are tight. There's others, obviously. But what does that mean to you to be one of the stars right now as a black woman in WWE? It's, it's an amazing feeling. Uh, the best word I could say is I just feel blessed, like super blessed. Uh, not even just lucky. I just feel blessed uh, to, to know that I'm going into WrestleMania to face Sasha Banks, who is the boss, the blueprint, the standard. She is all of those things. And I'm able to, you know, being in WWE, your dream is to make it to WrestleMania, to be in WrestleMania. And the fact that I'm going there, I'm going to be on the grandest stage of them all with Sasha Banks at Tampa Bay on April 10th. Um, it's amazing and knowing that, you know, WrestleMania is already just, it's the biggest event of the year. Um, you know, how do you, how can you possibly make WrestleMania even bigger? It's just like, well, creating history at WrestleMania. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going there uh, to WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania, which is amazing. And I always say representation is not a, re it's not a request. It's a requirement. And we aren't, we, you know, we're going there to try to become, I'm going there to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion, but it's, it's more than just, creating a moment and becoming a champion just by us standing in the ring. We are representation for women, we're re re representation for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the grandest state of them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. Um, and I just can't wait to be in that moment and, and finally be in front of fans. We're getting fans back for the very first time in over a year. We'll have 25,000 fans each night. Um, you know, and we're, we're following all safety protocols. We're doing uh, pods and social distancing, masks required. We're doing PSAs, telling people, you know, everyone wants to get back to normal. So, like, roll up your sleeves, do your part, get vaccinated. And um, that's what we're doing. We're trying to get back to normal with WrestleMania and just being able to be on that platform with Sasha Banks. It's 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 going to be a magical night and to be able to create history and be representation. It just brings so much more purpose to WrestleMania. No question. For you, um, talk about your meteoric rise. Like, I mean, what was it? Maybe three, maybe three years ago, you were in NXT, and maybe, but you've you've gone. I mean, you've just continued to rise and rise to the point that now, I mean, you're one of the most popular wrestlers on Friday Night SmackDown, and it's on Fox, by the way. That's, I mean, I can't even speak about how huge that is. I mean, cable's cool, but Fox, that's network television. Yeah, when I I actually got drafted to SmackDown uh, last year, so I've been on SmackDown less than a year, and so it's, it's it's crazy to think that being on SmackDown for less than a year, I'm already going to uh, WrestleMania, and you know I was in NXT since 2016, and um it's 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 crazy sometimes like seeing myself on a WrestleMania poster. Um, because <laughs> I think about like the greats like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and The Rock and Steve Austin. Like I remember seeing them on these WrestleMania posters, and now that I'm on the WrestleMania poster, I'm like, is this the same WrestleMania? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm this is the same thing. I'm on this level with them. So, uh, it's it's been a wild and fun and crazy ride ever since I came into WWE since 2016. Uh, you know, I have a very unique journey. I didn't watch wrestling growing up or I didn't I didn't dream of being a WWE wrestler when I was 10 um 
I just wrestling found me and it's completely changed my life around. So to be someone who never imagined being a WWE wrestler, now I am a WWE wrestler and I can't imagine myself doing anything other than this now because I've just completely fallen in love with WWE and, and I'm so passionate about it. So it's, um, I just feel blessed to be the one in this position to be at WrestleMania, um, to now be on Fox, <laughs> which is a big deal. You know, they say SmackDown is a land of opportunity. And I think that I've proven that true ever since I've gotten to SmackDown. I've just, I've been going up, up, up all the way to WrestleMania now. No question. You know, a couple of years ago, I had Alexa Bliss on the show. I asked her, well, how does one go from being a cheerleader in college to WWE and at the top of the game? So I'm going to ask you the same question. How does one go from being a track star to WWE? I'd say for me, it's just all about um, starting over every single day and moving forward. Uh, you know, I ran track in college. I did CrossFit. I did gymnastics, tumbling, soccer, almost every sport in the book. And I'm not any of those things right now. But those things led me to where I am now, you know, track and CrossFit. And Mark Henry discovered me doing uh, CrossFit. All of those things led to where I am now. So it's all about moving forward. Um, and I always say, whenever, uh, what, what's going to be for you is, is going to be for you. No one can take that away, but you have to make sure that you put yourself in a position where when that opportunity presents itself, that you're prepared for it. So you always say, you never know who's watching you. So you always got to show up and show out, even when you don't think anyone's watching you, because I was doing CrossFit and I had no idea Mark Henry was going to see a video of me, um, but I, I, I was showing up and I was showing out. I was moving forward. I was trying new things. Um, and for me, I didn't know that wrestling was my dream. And so I had to just keep moving forward and opening myself up, making sure I was available for, for any opportunity that came my way. And that's what happened for me. And Mark, when Mark Henry contacted me and asked me, had I ever thought of being a WWE wrestler? Um, you know, I, I was like, this is either too good to be true or this is the perfect fit for me. But he also was was very adamant on, I can get you a tryout, but I cannot get them to hire you. I can't get them to like you. You have to do that. You have to do that for yourself. So for me, it was just, you know, this is the opportunity and I have to move forward and I have to I have to go in and give 100 percent. And, um, you know, for some people, you know, they, they knew that wrestling was their dream. And so they, they, they just stuck with it and they kept going for they kept going after it no matter what. For me, it was just something where I say you just keep moving forward. Just always keep moving forward. You never, whatever direction you go, you want to go forward because you're eventually going to get to your destination and whatever is going to be for you is going to be for you and it will find you. But you have to be ready for that opportunity. Yep. Hold the line for me one second, Bianca. We're talking with the EST of the WWE, Bianca Belair here on Box to Row. We've got more of our conversation with Bianca Belair after this small pause for the cause. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. I'm going to take you to Nashville, Tennessee, where Tennessee State was hosting UT Martin in OVC play with no score and about six and a half minutes remaining in the first quarter. The Tigers struck first. Inside handoff, coming around the right side with it and cutting it up. Sabri Curtis, and he is going to find the end zone. Sabri Curtis, six yards. And the extra point was good, and the Tigers led seven to nothing, but 
on the ensuing possession, UT Martin would strike. Floats it across the middle, and he's got his man in the end zone. Touchdown, UT Martin, the tight end, Williams. The extra point was good, and we were tied at seven apiece. But the Tigers would not be outdone on their next possession. Bryant in the backfield. Inside handoff to the, well, fakes. Now Bryant's going to run around the right side. He's got some running room to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Devy on Bryant. For 32 yards and the Tigers led 14 to 7. Plenty of fireworks in the first quarter as Antonio Zita's 51-yard field goal with 57 seconds remaining extended. The Tigers lead to 17 to 7. Things a lot less quiet in the second quarter, but late in the second quarter, with 158 remaining, the Tigers would strike again. Inside handoff, Starling, Starling straight up the middle. He's got some running room. He's at the 35. He's at the 30 to the 10. Five touchdown, TSU. Straight up the middle, Devon Starling. 65 yards, and the Tigers took a 23-7 to halftime lead. The Tigers would make it 26 to seven with about nine minutes remaining in the third quarter on a Zeta 33-yard field goal. But then UTM began to make a run. A Tyler Larco 33-yard field goal pulled UTM to within 26 to 10. Then once again, things remained quiet for the rest of the third quarter. We now move to the fourth quarter early on with UT Martin driving. Inside handoff to Logan. Logan pushes the pile straight up the gut. Touchdown, UT Martin. The two-point conversion was good. Pulled UT Martin to within a touchdown and a two-point conversion at 26 to 18. We now take things all the way to less than two minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. And once again, UT Martin driving. Floats it across the middle, and he's got his man in the end zone. Touchdown, UT Martin. The tight end, Rodney Williams, and UT Martin is pulled within two. Of course, UT Martin needed to go for two. Backus. Looks like he's changing the play at the line of scrimmage. Back to pass. Backus. Looking, looking, looking. Floats it. Incomplete. That was Greg Pogue on the Big Blue Sports Network. The onside kick recovered by Tennessee State, who held on to defeat UT Martin 26-24. Taking a look at the Box to Row HBCU scoreboard for Week 7, which you can find on our website at BoxToRow.com. Tennessee State going to be on the road taking on Tennessee Tech, looking for two straight wins. Langston is going to host Wayland Baptist, Alabama State hosting South Carolina State in a game of top 10 ranked teams in HBCU football. Mississippi Valley State is hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff and the big game, the Box to Row National Game of the Week, Jackson State is hosting Southern. Alabama A&M is number one in the HBCU football polls in both the coaches and media polls. And you can check out those polls also online on our website at boxtorow.com. From the press box to press row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM 
and Saturdays, 9 a.m. Eastern at 6 a.m. Pacific time on Sirius XM channel 142. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. One and only the EST joins us here on the program. So, I mean, you were a pretty good track star, though, right? Like, I, I believe all American uh, in the SEC, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The University of Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's the home because you're from that. So that's the hometown school. Can you speak to that and, and being able to be a star at the hometown school? Yeah. So I ran track um, in, in high school and I got a full scholarship. I actually started out at the University of South Carolina uh, for my freshman year. Then I transferred to Texas A&M University and then I finished up at the University of Tennessee, which is my hometown. I was born and raised in Oxford, Tennessee. So I, I, I went back home and it was cool because my mom, my mom also graduated from the University of Tennessee. So, um, it, you know, being being back home and, you know, I was kind of a, a, a hometown. Um, I don't know what word to call it, but when, when I was in high school, like I was very popular because I was very good in sports and I was the number one um, recruit out of high school going into college. So to be able to come back home uh, and finish up and and be very successful at the University of Tennessee in my hometown with a community with a community that's been behind me ever since. I was a little girl. Um, they, I, I, I was surrounded by love with my community, and they pushed me and motivated me. And so to to go back home and finish it up there in that community, it, it's you know Knoxville is my home. It's my heart, and I'm always going to be a Lady Vol for life. So that's till the day I die. Yeah. A couple of more thoughts. What, what are we What are we going to see from you and Sasha Banks next week? You know, at WrestleMania, and you're right. Like WrestleMania is huge. Um, you know, uh, I can remember going back to wait, you know, back in the day and all that, but what do you, what, 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 what do we need to expect from the both of you? Well, all I can say is things are heating up between Sasha and I, um, I think, you know, there's no friendship on the line. All, all that there is on the line is a title that, uh, that I want from Sasha and a title that Sasha doesn't want me to have. And so, it's just two alpha females that are going in there to compete, to prove, you know, Sasha calls herself the best. I call myself the B-E-S-T, the best. And it's going to be two women in there, um, you know, going for the same goal, competing, fighting, and really trying to prove who is actually the best. And, you know, she calls me the rookie. So she, I know she's going to be in there um, trying to not let this rookie take that title from her. So it's going to be a magical two nights and, it's going to be amazing, and for every all the fans that are going to be there, the 25,000 fans are going to be there, and also for everyone watching that's going to be watching on Peacock because WrestleMania is going to be streaming live on Peacock for the first time ever. Um, but it's going to be a magical night. It's, it's not just going to be about the, 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 the match. It's like WrestleMania is about the gear, the entrance, the show. So we're just going out there to put on the show and create history. Absolutely. The one and only Bianca Belair, EST, joins us here on Box to Rose. Again, you can check her out each Friday on SmackDown, uh, on Fox, and also next week, WrestleMania 37 is absolutely huge. Bianca, appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Thank you so much for having me. Bianca Belair joining us here on the program. You can react to anything that Bianca Belair had to say, talked about a lot, her time 
in the SEC as a track star, was doing CrossFit and was discovered to become what she is right now in the WWE, of course, talked about. Because that's one of the things I looked at, very much a lack of black women in professional wrestling, more specifically, WWE. I mean, you have the likes of Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, Naomi, etc. cetera. There, there were a, a couple uh, back in the day, but, you know, nothing to the level, I, at least from my recollection, that we're at now, and she's proud to sort of carry um, that torch uh, for black women and an opportunity to win the championship this uh, next weekend, as a matter of fact. React to anything Bianca Belair had to say on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. If you want to react to anything that Bianca Belair had to say. I want to touch on Roy Williams' uh Quickly, Roy Williams on Thursday announced his retirement as the head men's basketball coach at UNC. Of course, we had him on the program, I guess, may have been either August or September uh, of last year. And I mean, he won three national titles uh, as the head coach at North Carolina. He came back home. He was uh, an assistant coach. He was a student, obviously, at Carolina, an assistant coach under Dean Smith, got the job at Kansas. And to me, for as much as he did at Carolina and for Carolina, again, three national championships is huge. There's no question about it. I think Roy Williams was as big at Kansas. Did he win the national title? No, he came close. As a matter of fact, Kansas was the runner-up the year before he came to Carolina. And so I think his impact... Yeah, obviously you win national championships, that's huge. But I think he had a, you know, as to, for me, in, in remembering as much an impact, right? He won, you know, his winning percentage was way better at Kansas than it was at Carolina. He won the three national championships. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about Roy Williams and his legacy a little bit later on in the program. The Boxer Row National Game of the Week Jackson State is hosting Southern. What a game this is going to be. I'm not sure of what the capacity limits are in terms of for COVID-19 in Mississippi. But, I mean, any other time, this game would be absolutely packed to the rafters. But it's going to be packed, I guess, as much as it ultimately can be, right? Uh, In Jackson, Mississippi, it's already a rivalry. And then you talk about... Uh, two teams that are playing some great football right now. You're talking about Southern 3-1 and one on the season. Of course, didn't play last week, but got the forfeiture. Remember, Alcorn State had to forfeit all of its football games. So I look at Southern right now, and, I mean, from an offensive perspective, like Southern's not really wowing you, certainly from an offensive perspective. I look at Ladarius Skelton. He's only completing about 54% of his passes, 363 yards. He has the three touchdowns to the one interception on the season. I mean, I know he's not necessarily a guy that's going to complete at a high percentage rate, but he did do a much better job in 2019 in terms of his pass completion percentage than he did in 2018. And really, right now, I mean, you know, he's he's running the ball pretty well. But as a team, you know, Southern's not necessarily running the ball uh, great, you know. So 
I think the Jaguars are due for a bit of an offensive outburst, if anything. I think I think you may see the Jaguars really get really put some points on the board in this football game. And I think ultimately it's going to be a high scoring football game where Jackson State is excelling right now. And yeah, they I mean, they were in a shootout and they, they've given up some points. There's no question about it. You give up 33 points to Arkansas Pine Bluff in a loss. Uh, you give up uh, the well, 21 is not a whole lot of points, but it's enough points in the victory over Alabama State. You know, you give up to 23 points. I mean, it's not an inordinate amount, but again, I mean, that game was over. So, I mean, you can't, you know, I won't necessarily hold all of the numbers against them. Here is where Southern and the Jaguars are excelling. They are excelling uh, defensively, maybe not necessarily in points, but even more specifically with their defensive lineman, Jordan Lewis. He's been absolutely spectacular. After the first week, he was the box-to-row national player of the week in the win over Alabama State, had 11 tackles in the game. Eight of those were solo, five tackles for loss. He also had four sacks in the ballgame and a forced fumble. You know what his stats are on the season? 20 tackles in three games. He's got 20 tackles, 13 of those solo. Again, as a defensive lineman, six, he has nine and a half tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. You know, nine and a half tackles for loss and six and a half sacks is pretty good if you play a regular 11-game schedule. He's already got that through three games. So I think that he presents, meaning Jordan Lewis, some challenges for Jackson State's offensive line, we'll have to see if Jackson State has been able to. I mean, the first couple of games, Jackson State was good. They went up against the Tigers, went up against Alabama State. Alabama State rushed and made Jalen Jones, the quarterback, uncomfortable to the tune of five sacks. Is that something that the Jaguars will be able to do? If you're the if you're Jackson State, do you double team now, Jordan Lewis? But if you do that, then some other guys are really going to have to step up. So I think. For Southern, the key uh, definitely has been uh, defensively. You know, Ladarius Skelton is solid. They got to get Devin Ben going. Like, they haven't been able to get the running game going behind the play of Ben to this point. Skelton has been able to do a little bit of it with his legs, uh, certainly as well. Uh, But I think if they get a solid offensive performance and a good defensive performance, I think the Jaguars will be okay. When I look at Jackson State, I look at its last outing, and again, neither team has played in a couple of weeks, so all things are even uh, as they stand right now, if you will. When I look at Jackson State, Jalen Jones, again, was made very much uncomfortable against Alabama State. But we know that Jackson State, there's just some corrections that Jackson State needs to make from an offensive line perspective. I think if Jackson State ultimately makes those corrections, then you'll see um, you can see Jackson State ultimately be successful in this football game. We know Jackson State can run the football. Uh, we know if Jalen Jones gets some time, and even when he doesn't, he can get out of the pocket because he still had some success in the run game against Alabama State. Where Jackson State is going to have to be key is defensively. I thought, you know, the previous couple of games, I thought Jackson State was very tough up front, but Alabama State put in the work on, and and the, and and as a matter of fact, that offensive line, and I think that's another key. Uh, 
the Jaguars have a solid offensive line also. So I think that's also going to be another key. But if Jackson State, I think, can uh, get that defensive line revved up and rocking and rolling, um, you, you know, and be able to stop the run, like make Skelton beat you with his arm. If you're Jackson State, you want – Ladarius Skelton to beat you with his arm. You don't want him to beat you with his legs. You don't want Devin Ben to get things going in this football game. Uh, I think uh, this is a pivotal matchup, no question. Uh, I I have liked Southern as the the to repeat coming into what should have been the 2020 season in the fall to repeat as Western Division champs. Um, I think that. Uh, I think ultimately this is going to be a bit of a high-scoring affair. And I'm going to predict that Southern wins this football game by six or seven points in a somewhat high-scoring affair. Let's call it, you know, something along the line, somewhat of a high-scoring affair. Let's call it like 31 to 20, you know, 24, you know, something like that. 31 to 24, 31 to 25, something like that. I think ultimately Southern wins this football game on the road. Your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. Up next here on the program, speaking of Southern, the Jaguars head football coach, Dawson Odoms, joins us. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Donald Hill Ely, the head football coach at Alabama State. I guess with me, it's not so much of the back and forth with Coach Sanders. He comes to black college with, we need a shot now. We needed him to come and open some of these doors that we couldn't open when it comes to television and some of the venues. I just think he came in and because of some of the things he has been allowed to do, our fans forget from whence they come and they just start talking trash to those that have been holding the conference and everything together over all these years. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Missed any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row podcast at BoxToRow.com or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to row. As you know, big time football game on Saturday is the Southern Jaguars going to travel to Jackson, Mississippi to take on Jackson State. The game is going to be on ESPN in his ninth season as the head football coach at Jackson State is Dawson Odoms. The Jaguars 3-1 and one on the season, ranked number five in the HBCU football polls in both the coaches and the media polls right now. Dawson Odoms joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Odoms, welcome back to the program. Oh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I always look forward to speaking with you guys. Absolutely. It's always good. seems like we do this every year because you guys just win every year and you're off to a nice start, 3-1 and one on the season. Your thoughts on the season so far in this 2021 spring football season? 
Well, I tell you, I thought we played uh, very average in the beginning, just trying to get our legs on us, just trying to get a mental right for starting the spring season, just coming off of a really short preseason. Guys wasn't really where they needed to be conditioning. But everybody knows that when you play us, we get better as the year go along. I think we have one of the better in-season programs for how we do things and just gauging where our guys are and, and sort of changing that and implementing new things to get us where we need to be so we can make a run down the down the stretch. So I think our football team is where it needs to be, mentally, physically, and conditionally, and hopefully we play well this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you eke one out. I mean, as you you know, I mean, you know Coach Broadway well. Coach Broadway used to always say all wins are good wins. February 26th against Alabama State on the road was a good win. Your thoughts been able to eke that game out to open the season? It tells a lot about our players and coaches and just understanding that that you're on the road, didn't have a whole lot of fans there, just didn't have anything for you to – to sort of to create the momentum that you need to be successful. And then finally, it kicked in in the third quarter. Our guys just found something deep from the inside and just willed themselves to a victory against a very good uh, athletic and tough uh, football team on Alabama State. So it was a, it was great to come out of there with a win. And then we came back home for our home opener. Yeah, and it didn't go well, didn't go like you planned. I mean, you you made a you know you made a game of it and it actually had an opportunity you had an opportunity there even even late even though Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, got out to the big lead what went wrong in that football game? Uh, the second quarter uh, we didn't play very well in the second quarter we did not we turned the ball over we didn't get stops defensively uh, it's just one of those things to where you were playing at home but you didn't have that emotion of a true home crowd. You know, I thought we had everything that we needed to be in place to be successful, and but we just didn't play well in the second quarter, and that cost us a football game. And uh, went into the bye week and uh, sort of got things worked out. Dawson Odoms in his ninth season as the head football coach at Southern joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row Big Time Football Game on Saturday at Jackson State. The game is going to be on ESPN uh, you know, when we had you on the uh, the HBCU Football Daily Podcast in, in February, I, I know, you know, you hadn't made a decision in terms of who your quarterback was going to be. Ultimately, it was and is uh, Ladarius Skelton. I, I want to get your, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, how do you feel like he's playing so far this year? Well, I thought he played well against Alabama State. Didn't play uh, bad against UATV. Just didn't keep his composure like we expect him to. And we, I made a coaching decision to to put him on the uh, to bench him, and he came back in Texas Southern and played really, really well. And now we've had a bye week. Um, he's he's just got to stay on him just mentally and just let him know this is how we expect him to play quarterback. And he's rose to the occasion since that lapse in UAPB. I'm looking forward to this contest because I think it's going to be two very electrifying quarterbacks on the field, and whichever defense can corral them. Is going to have the upper hand. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, Devin Benny hasn't. You know, I just want to get your thoughts. Like he, at least from a numbers perspective, he hasn't really gotten it going so far this year. Uh, we got some other backs. Uh, you got to maximize your your carries. He's had some fumbles and costly plays that we don't think you should make as a senior. And then condition, just making sure you're in the best condition and got yourself 
uh, in shape to be the best football player that you can be. Uh, we have football players. We have guys that are waiting on you to slip if they're behind you because the pressure is always on. They're a very competitive group, and we got we got backs. Uh, we got we got several guys can tote the mail. They're just waiting on their opportunities, and when they get it, they don't relinquish it. Yeah, no question about it. Talk about Jordan Lewis. I mean, a little bit earlier, I, I mentioned his numbers to our listeners. I mean, if you look at a guy that has nine and a half tackles for loss and six and a half sacks, and he's played an 11-game season, you would say that's pretty solid, right? I mean, he's played three games and has that. Your thought in, in the impact that he has had on your football team? You got to count for him, and I think they're going to count for him, and uh, hopefully they got to keep somebody in to, <laughs> to block him. I hope he can get to their quarterback, and if he can, we're going to be successful. Our bookends are what make us great. Uh, Jordan Lewis has an unbelievable first step, and uh, you don't know how fast he is until you play against him. And uh, if you haven't seen him, uh, I wish you the best. Uh, he's as advertised. Uh, he played the game the right way. He enjoyed playing it, and he, he can go. And I'm glad he's on our football team. Dawson Odoms, the head football coach at Southern, joins us here on the program Speak. I, I know one of the strengths you talked about with us is that offensive line, and uh, speak to that unit, how it's playing, and how well it's going to need to play against Jackson State on Saturday. I think it's going to be one in the trenches. I think our D line's going to have to play dominant, and I think our O line's going to have to play dominant. If those two groups play the way they're capable of playing, uh, I think this is going to be a very good football game. And I'm quite sure they're challenging their O-line and D-line. Their linebackers are really the strength of their defense. And our O-line will have to find a way to get to the second level, tie them up, and, and if they can, we'll be able to get some, some creases in the running game. But uh, it's going to be a good one. But I think our offensive line is as advertised, and I think they're one of the best in the conference. Yeah, and you talked about on the on the uh, media call on Monday, you talked about Keontae Hampton. Like, I think that's – you, 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 all that was happening with all the recruits and all that. I think somewhere along the line, Hampton got lost early on, but he's showing I've been here the whole time and I'm, and he's a big time football player. Well, I know about him uh, and I think everybody that plays against him know about him. It's just, I mean, I, you, you look at it, I mean, these guys, I mean, it's always been players on these teams. Uh, you look at it, Harris was there. He's been a football player, he's made plays. Uh, Hampton has made plays. So these guys have been in the program. They've been in this conference, and they've been successful in this conference. You look at our team, we we have guys that's been here. Jordan Lewis has been here. He was a true freshman, and, you know, he's been playing ever since. And and that's what we really try to build our program on. We try to build consistency, and we try to sustain that by just making sure that uh, we stack good players behind each other as freshmen. They come in, they learn their way. They get in the weight room. They get better. Some red shirts, some play. But that's been our calling card, and that's what's made us successful. What, in your mind, and from what you've seen on film and what you've seen of Jackson State, what do the Tigers do well? Dual threat quarterback. He can throw it. They got receivers. They can go get it. Uh, big receivers, 6'3", go about 210. And that's that's going to be the challenge on the outside. Can our cornerback step up and play? I, I think they will. I think they'll accept the challenge, and, and they know they're going to have to play, and they got to play very well. And and then it's just running the football. they got a very good running back and stopping the run. And and I, I really think this game will come down to to just walking and tackling, running the football and special teams. I think that's going to be the hidden 
hidden factor in it, uh, which special teams can play extremely well. Yeah, I'm not sure that you may know better now that we're a little bit later on in the week, closer to the game in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, how many fans may be able to be there. I mean, generally speaking, this would have been, a, you know, with, with the elements of the game, uh, no COVID, this game would have been packed. But it may or may not. I'm not sure how that works. But I mean, are you going to be able to bring a lot of contingency of of, of Southern fans? They always travel, but are you going to have a, be able to have a lot of them in the stadium to cheer for you? Oh, I have no idea. Um, it's just uh, like I told my team: it's a, it's a football game to be played, and I, I don't really know how many people they're going to let in. Uh, we don't we don't know how many tickets they're going to sell. Uh, I think Mississippi is one of those states that are open. But I still think fans will be reluctant at uh, being around that many people. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a good football game, and with it being on ESPN, uh, that's in everybody's household. So a lot of people would would probably just sit back on their couches and watch it. So I, I think the TV ratings are going to be outstanding. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, Jackson State and Southern certainly getting together. It should be Dawson Odoms. Ninth season, head football coach at Southern joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Big time game, Jaguars and the Tigers Saturday on ESPN in Jackson, Mississippi. Coach Odoms, as always, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Jaguars. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Go Jags. So there it is. Saturday promises to be a an outstanding football game in Jackson, Mississippi. Southern and Jackson State getting together, very much looking forward to this football game because really the winner of this football game really is, I mean, is, you know, Alabama State is still right there, no question about it. But, I mean, the winner of this football game now sort of becomes like the really hot team, uh, I think, in all of HBCU football uh, as things stand, Alabama A&M just can't really seem to catch a break in terms of uh, being able to play. Yes, Alabama A&M is number one in all of HBCU football in terms of uh, with the coaches and the media. A lot of that is based upon the talent. A lot of it, you know, Jackson State was right there when Jackson State lost to Alabama State. It probably wasn't. It it was enough to knock Jackson State back. Obviously, not enough as from where Alabama State was prior to the win against Jackson State to really elevate the Hornets near the top. So Alabama A&M crushes South Carolina State, can't catch a break, has a lot of talent. So I think where you're seeing Alabama A&M at number one is from a talent perspective. But they're going to get some games here uh, going soon. As a matter of fact, next week going to go up against Jackson State, boy, what a football game that's going to be. I mean, you're just talking about back-to-back big-time football games, both going to be played in Jackson, Mississippi. Got to get ready to run here. I'm from the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you to Dawson Odoms. Also, Bianca Belair for joining us today on the program. For more information, great content, the women's All-American team, the HBCU women's All-American team, log on to our website, box to row. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications.